0: Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome back. Uh, it's Monday. Uh, I'm recording this on Saturday which is my last day of being 32 and i uh, today when uh, if you're listening to this on release day I am I'm 33 and oh oh, honestly uh, the last few weeks I have felt a bit overwhelmed with everything that I have going on and uh, I yeah make myself very busy and work and throw myself into stuff and sometimes my as much as I talk about it on here uh, sometimes my self-care suffers in in some areas more than others and so honestly I yeah I have been feeling a bit and a, a little run down and uh, you know there's things that have been helping so getting back in the river um I know I've talked about before wild swimming and particularly as we've had some nice weather that has been a great boost and start to the day having that moment in nature feeling connected and and all of that but you know my sleep my diet and my exercise have all been off track and I know that they are things that help but I just haven't been prioritizing them and making time for them and one of the key messages that you'll get from this interview today which was recorded um, a while ago um, I guess in March, April, um yeah a little while ago is that message of change and we can say that we want to change but sometimes we don't really want to put the work in or we're not really kind of committed to it and this is something that I kind of go between you know so I sometimes I'm really committed I can get myself out of bed I can get in the gym I can be really focused and I, I sort of plan to do that I prioritize it I sort of make it part of my my day and some days I can have it in my head that that's what I think I want to do or feel like I should do, but really what I actually want to do is binge watch Netflix and eat chocolate. And if that is on that day what you really want to do, it's quite difficult to make that change and, and, and do the other thing. And so I think it is that sometimes you have to let yourself feel what you're feeling and um, kind of lean into that, and you know, watch that program and and have a lazy day. Um, but sometimes we can get a bit a bit stuck there, um, and that's not that's not great either. Because you know, I I don't want to just be sat on the sofa watching Netflix and eating chocolate. I mean, sometimes it's fun, but actually, you know, I do enjoy being active. I want the the feel good and the headspace and all of that and to be using my body and and feeling alive and feeling the dolphins and all and all of that but we do need to make that shift in our minds of this is something that I I actually want to do and I'm going to commit to and uh, motivation is something um, I believe we've talked about before that actually you know quite often we're not motivated to do something and we kind of just have to do it anyway even if you're sort of saying to yourself oh I'm too tired I don't want to do it Kind of going, okay, but yeah, <laughs> we're still gonna get up and we're gonna do it, and uh, and all of that. Uh, so, as I'm recording this, uh, you know, I've I've been kind of thinking this weekend. It's it's my birthday tomorrow. I will be kind of doing um, a, a subtle celebration because, obviously, um, not that I that I have massive birthday celebrations anyway, um, but because of of Corona, obviously, things are a little different. But I will be enjoying the day. And then I will be, you know, enjoying being thirty-three and, and I guess what I want to focus on for my thirty-third year <laughs> is is really, yeah, prioritizing my well being. And one of the things that um that I that I like to do is, you know, we can set ourselves intentions and these New Year's resolutions, all that kind of stuff. And they can be quite fixed and rigid. You know, I want to achieve this. And if we don't, then we feel that we've failed. We, we feel disappointed in ourselves. We feel let down. And and actually, if you if you mix it up a little bit and you just ask yourself a question, and, and this is something that I did in 2019 when I sort of did my, my big kind of recovery, healing journey, whatever you want to call it, is I, is I set myself some questions for the year of what happens if I don't give up and what happens if I stop caring what people think. Um, and since then, you know, a lot has changed. I've um, dove into some training that I'd sort of been telling myself I couldn't do for ages. I've launched the podcast. Um, I have started speaking on other shows. Um, yeah, so in many ways, things have changed a lot and are great. And up until Corona, <laughs> I was um, doing pretty well in the the kind of physical well-being space, I guess, with the, the kind of gym and, and, and all of that but it's something that I personally have have struggled a little bit with that routine and in maintaining that kind of fitness which does have a knock-on effect on my mental well-being because it was one of the big things that when I put that structure in place and had that morning gym session it really really did help my my mood and and my mental well-being so yeah my, my kind of question I guess I haven't really formulated it into a question but my I guess my my plan my idea for this year is to really yeah recommit and kind of focus on my well-being uh holistically not just the mental space um but yeah particularly that kind of physical space because that does have a massive beneficial impact for me and as I said I'm I'm you know swimming I'm still being active but I am missing that gym environment. And actually, Monday, when this comes out, the gym is reopening. And so I've already gone ahead and booked in some sessions for next week. So as this is released, I will have just finished <laughs> my hour in the gym. Um and I guess the good thing about having to book in is that I have to go because otherwise I'm taking a space that someone else can't can't won't be able to go. And That might not work for you, but for me, sometimes having those kind of accountability things externally of I'll get charged if I don't go or I'll let someone down or if you can socially distanced exercise with other people, having that external kind of accountability partner can help and certainly does help me sometimes. But actually, do you know what? I've spent a bit of time today. I've got a new program because I'm not going to be going to my usual classes. I'm just going to be freestyling in the gym. And so I've had a, yeah, a little bit of a plan and I'm quite excited about it. And that I think really is the the key thing with the mindset is if you can shift it from, I don't want to do this, I have to drag myself to the gym, I have to do this, I want to lose weight, I have to, you know, it's all those shoulds and it's in that that kind of beating yourself up space. Whereas if you can shift to, I'm excited about going to the gym, like I really want to, feel that you know that feeling and when your muscles are tired but feel like you've really worked them and that sense of achievement and I want the endorphins and I actually value myself and my body and I want to do something that is nurturing my body and my mind it's it's the same thing I'm, I'm still just going to the gym for for me personally in my example but the way I am thinking about it and talking about it to myself is so different and, you know, when my alarm goes on Monday, or has gone, uh, when you listen to this, 6am, uh, probably 6am, maybe 5.45, if the the thoughts and the story I'm telling myself is, oh, I have to do this. This is going to be awful. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to go. Or, oh, yeah, I'm so excited about this. I'm really looking forward to getting back in the gym. And I really I'm looking forward to that feeling afterwards rather versus I'm going to be so tired and you know you can kind of feel the difference and I can certainly feel it when I'm talking to myself so a little kind of mindset tip to think about what you're telling yourself what the story you're telling yourself is the language you're using with yourself because you really can choose how you feel about situations we can shift you know, the language you use and, and it can take a little while, it can feel a little force, forced and false uh, to start with, but it is a kind of practice. And as I know, and um, I guess I'm articulating in this that, you know, I I talk about well being on here every week, I know the things that I'm supposed to do. And sometimes it's still easy to uh, come adrift and to, yeah, um, really no, fall off the horse, but you kind of just let it slip and slip back into those unconscious patterns and those habits because they are deep rooted. We've walked that path so many times and it's so easy just to kind of slip back there. So it's really, yeah, just when you catch yourself doing it, stopping and thinking, okay, how can I think about this a different way? How can I think about this a more positive way? Um, And if you absolutely can't think about it a positive way, you know, maybe ask yourself, why am I doing this thing? (laughs) Why am I telling myself I have to do it? It might be that it's something work related and you have to to pay the bills or whatever. But if it's something you are doing that you have no joy from, that you can't see the purpose of, and it's just bringing you down to have to do it, maybe kind of questioning why you're doing that. Uh, So We're joined by David in this episode. Um, I really, really love chatting to him. It was a really enjoyable uh, conversation and I will be back briefly afterwards and I (laughs) have a little uh, confession to make afterwards. So uh, yeah, join me for that and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi everyone. I'm really excited to welcome this week's guest, David, to the podcast. So, David, welcome. And if you could tell us
1: a little bit about yourself. Oh, Hannah, it's so great to be with you. Absolutely. David Essel here, 40 years now in the world of personal growth. Um, I started out in sports psychology, working with athletes uh, in 1980. And then in 1990, I transferred over and started working with the general population. And Hannah, today... There is not a topic, as long as it's not politically related, (laughs) there's not a topic that we don't cover. So we've helped people overcome some really serious issues on incest and rape. We've helped people expand their businesses to become multimillionaires. We've helped people to lose two, three, 400 pounds. I mean, amazing success rates. Uh, Drop addictions, find a deeper spiritual path. So we do a little bit of everything here, you know, and, and it's a great life. I love every minute of it.
0: Amazing. And I mean, that's a really diverse mix of people, and mix of experiences that they're bringing. And do you find that you have to be very flexible and adapt to people? Or are there some common threads that run through all the experiences
1: that you see? You know, that's a great question. I I think you have to alter your approach as a counselor with personality types, but not worth work. And what I mean by that is that I may have to come across a little softer with someone to get them to do the same amount of work that I'll say to someone else, hey, listen, no more excuses. I want this done next Monday. (laughs) You know, and so it it really is the, the work is the same. But we do have to play with different personalities to make sure that you know someone that maybe was raised in a household where they were always criticized, they can't handle any kind of even constructive criticism. Well, we have to learn how to bring our points across without shutting them down. And then there are other people you could tell them, I'll go to hell and they'll go, okay, I'll see you next week. (laughs) You know, it's like, so the big difference is how you approach people, but the work is always the same.
0: Hmm. And I imagine I, I'm, you know, thinking about myself that there are some days when you know if you tell me to go to hell, I'd be like, oh, that's fine. And some days, where if I'm a bit tired or a bit hungry, that I'd be much more sensitive to it. So I it's also reading the people on a particular day to see where they're at and, and what they can take.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, we a lot of our most of our work is via Skype. As a matter of fact, because my clients are all over the world, and so I get a chance to see their body language sitting at the computer. I get a chance to see their facial expressions. Right, so you're 100 percent correct. I mean, I may have someone who's strong as a bull, and they have a weak week or a weak month or something like that, and I may have to back off a little bit. But once again, we stay still stay with the same bottom line. The only people that get ahead in life are those that are willing to get uncomfortable. You know, that's really the answer in life, as simple as it sounds. Now I have really great news because I have yet to meet someone that said, oh, that's me, David, I can't wait to get uncomfortable. I wanna work with you and I wanna be so uncomfortable. (laughs) We don't hear that, right? But the great news is, is that in the beginning of any change, there's going to be things that you'll have to do that don't feel that great, that maybe are not in your wheelhouse, but if you continue to do them, Hannah, over time, they just become a part of who you are. So where in the beginning, it might be hard to stay sober or to save money or to not react negatively to your partner, as you continue to do the work, you find that over time, all of these issues become less dramatic in your life and you feel more confident moving forward.
0: Mm, I think that's really key, isn't it? That change is uncomfortable because quite often, people have this idea they want to change, but they don't really want to change. Because they're kind of they're comfortable how things are and so they say they want to change but they don't really and it is you know if you want things to be different you have to do something different and 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 it is uncomfortable like yeah you know, like
1: and you and know. Hannah the other thing is is that we found and I know this has happened in my life When you have a massive goal that you've not been able to accomplish and you've tried, you know, to the best of your ability, but you haven't been able to accomplish it. The odds of you being successful on your own in the future are almost zero. And so we say to people, like when I'm going to have a major change, like as an example, we're having a, a new website built right now. Okay, I have to go out, I have to find the web builder, I have to pay them money, I have to consult with them, I have to do, but I can't do that on my own. Even if I knew how to build websites, I wouldn't do it on my own because they change, the analytics changes so dramatically with Google and all this stuff. You gotta really know your stuff, right? So when you're looking at trying to make a change and you don't have experience in it, when I got sober, I had I had experience, of helping thousands of people get sober, but it didn't work on me. So I had to go out and hire an expert to come in and hold my feet accountable to my sobriety. So if you have a long-term goal, a big one, and you haven't been able to accomplish it, please relax, get humble, and look for someone to hold your feet to the fire. The odds are you're going to have to hire. It might be a personal trainer, a nutritionist. It might be a counselor, a coach, a minister, a financial advisor. But let's get serious. If it's a big goal, you're going to need outside help.
0: Hmm. I think that's so key isn't it because like you said you've helped other people you kind of know the theory and what to do but when it comes to ourselves it's so difficult to stick to it and accountability I think is such a key word that you said that having someone external and and I guess the benefit of having uh, someone who's a professional rather than a family member is that (laughs) family friends can be supportive they can hold you accountable but If you're really resisting it, having someone, you know, that is going to be more challenging, maybe is helpful.
1: Yeah, it really is. And plus, you know, well-meaning family members, well-meaning friends, they usually fall into one of two categories. They either let you get away with everything and they go, oh, come on, you know, we're going to do this today. We're going to go, I'm a little tired. Okay, well, let's start again tomorrow. You know, so that's one part of the family. Or they may really be way too hard on you. And and so they because and it's only because the family members or friends don't have training on how to do this kind of work. You know, one of the things that we do with all of our programs, we, we offer 16 different specialty programs, Hannah, that we work with people from all over the world. And we have a daily accountability program. So even though I only work with people once a week via phone or Skype on their goals, Every day, there's things that they do, which I hold them accountable for. And that's why we have such great success rates. Because if, if you were to work with someone and they say, okay, I'll, I'll work with you on Monday at noon, and then I'll see you next week. That's pretty traditional, whether it's a financial planner or a personal, well, a personal trainer would probably be a little bit more frequent, um, a counselor, or coach, minister. But listen, if you don't do work in those six days, you're going to show up for your session the next time. And you may feel better initially because you're working with someone, but there's not going to be any change. So you've got to have daily accountability to make sure you're going to accomplish the goal that you want so badly. Mm,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you said about your own experience overcoming addiction. And I wonder if you can share a little bit from your personal story, if you're comfortable to do so.
1: Oh, I'm very comfortable. You know, and here's here's something for all everyone that's listening that is has overcome an addiction or you're thinking about whether it's an addiction to television, nicotine, vaping, alcohol, food. It doesn't matter to me. You know, when we know that we're healed when we have no shame or guilt about our past addiction. So when you said to me, you know, if you feel comfortable, that was a very nice thing to say. I feel so comfortable. I laugh about my past. I mean, I was insane, you know. And so, and and for people that are struggling right now, you know, I'm not saying this to make you feel uncomfortable that I'm laughing about my addiction, but I am laughing about my addiction. It's my addiction. I'm laughing about no one else's. Um, it was brutal, you know, it was really brutal for me to look and finally realize that all these people I was helping was not working with me and that while I was getting people sober, I was struggling for over 25 years with an addiction to alcohol and cocaine. Now, in order for me to get sober, I, had, I decided to hire professionals. I worked with people for 365 days. I worked for a complete year and in that understanding that I wanted to be sober for life. Now, I didn't want to be sober for life initially. Let me tell you that. I wanted to find someone that would teach me how to moderately drink. (laughs) I didn't want to give it up completely. Even though I had tried moderate drinking for years and it never worked, Hannah, I still, that was my goal. And then I got someone who was just like me. I got a counselor and he looked at me one day and he said, David, I got to be honest with you. If you don't surrender 110% to this program, And do everything I ask you to do. You will never get sober. But if you do what I'm asking you to do, and it's not going to be easy, he said, I can guarantee you a year from now, you'll never even think about alcohol again. And He was right, Anna. And I worked my butt off, and I invested time, money, and effort into me, which is what we all have to do. And that was years ago. And I've never, ever, ever, like, woke up one day and said, oh, my God, I need a drink. You know, it just isn't part of my life. I go to parties, I go to weddings, I go to funerals, I don't ever drink, but that's because the program I worked, it was so hard and so deep. But I have no shame, no guilt, no remorse whatsoever. I've forgiven myself for the errors I've made, for the mistakes I made in the past, and I'm great. I'm here for it. And the other thing I want to mention is that we don't believe that once you're an alcoholic or an addict, you're always an alcoholic or addict. We think that's a bunch of crap. And if you want to get clean and sober from any addiction in life, you can.
0: Hmm. Amazing! Yeah, thank you uh, for sharing that. And and it sounds like the the approach that the person you worked with took with you was a very direct approach, wasn't it? That you know, honestly, this is what it's going to take. And and I think sometimes that's really helpful, isn't it? To not sugarcoat it, just be like, this is the reality of what it's going to take. But this is what it will get you to, and it. And it really makes you think about, do I really
1: want that, that I'll put in this work? Yeah. Yeah. And Hannah, you know, that question, do you really want it? Let let me, and I'm going to say something that should make our audience feel very comfortable. I've been in this work for 40 years. Only 10% of clients I've, and I've worked with, God, we just had our 400,000 counseling session. Over 40 years. So we work with a lot of people. Only about 10% of people that come to me to do the work, whether it's about money or addiction or their health or love or their career, only about 10%, Hannah, are really interested in working hard. And that's pretty fascinating. Now, the other 90% become successful, but they don't come in the door snapping their fingers and singing songs. You know, they come in going, God, I'd really rather not have to be here, but I can't do this on my own. So what do we need to do? That's the normal attitude, right? 90% of people, if you said, do you want to change? They'd say yes. And if you said, are you ready to change? They'd say no. I want to, but I don't want to do any work. And so what we say to people is, as long as you have a 10% desire to change, work with me. Because- We have such an amazing success rate. You don't need more than a 10%. I will carry the load. I will help you see how to do this in a way that you're going to want to do the work. But let's get started. And once someone starts, they see, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable at first, but I got someone in my corner. David is rooting me on. He's holding my feet to the fire. And that, Hannah, makes all the difference in the world.
0: And I imagine if they're starting to see some progress or to kind of feel that it works and to feel... That support, then it, then it helps to build that desire to put the work in. Because I think quite often, you know, when you're starting out and you're thinking about the hard work, it's that I can't I can't handle it. I want to change, but I can't do it. And so with you supporting them and them starting to see the progress, I imagine it builds that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's where the daily accountability. You know, like I may have someone send me an email a day that has just two or three sentences on it. I I don't overwhelm my clients with work, but just the fact they know they're gonna send an email could make them think twice about going back to an old behavior they're trying to stop, right? See, that's the power of our program with accountability. And if if you don't work with me and you work with someone else, make sure you ask them about how will you help me daily? That's a crucial question to ask before you hire Mm. someone. Yeah,
0: absolutely, amazing um so we talked a little bit about addiction but you've also helped a lot of people overcome depression as well and so I'd be really interested to talk about that that's something I've personally experienced and we talk about mental well-being a lot on the podcast so I'd love to hear your thoughts or any any tips I guess on how people who are experiencing depression can help move through it and-
1: yeah, you know, depression is really interesting because it comes out in a thousand different ways. You know, with some people, it comes out in anger. With other people, it comes out in isolation. With other people, it comes out in addiction. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it really manifests so differently with so many different people. Um, some of the key points of, of, of depression would be ongoing procrastination, uh, a feeling of hopelessness, a feeling of helplessness, uh, a feeling that things are against me, the world is against me, people are against me. Um, I'll never get out of this. Uh, another common thought that is actually quite erroneous is that this is a genetic thing that's rarely ever genetic. You you might have multiple family members with depression, but that has nothing to do proving it's a genetic link. More often than not, depression is environmentally handed down from generation to generation, And what that means is, is that the number one cause of depression is submerged emotions, okay? With women, a lot of women have a lot of submerged anger because it's not polite to be a pissed off woman, right? I mean, you know, if if you're out in traffic and some guy's yelling, they'll say, there's an angry man. If you're in traffic and a woman's yelling, she's a psychopath, bitch, get out of her way, she's insane, right? And so women have learned to submerge their anger, submerge their resentments. And over time, this is the number one cause of depression around the world is that we're not dealing with the emotions that we have inside. You know, so, so in my case, you know, I battled with depression for years. I was suicidal in 1990. I was pulled off the ledge by a psychiatrist. I was so fortunate to be alive today. And I did not ask for help, Hannah. And once again, you know, I'm a walking model of what not to freaking do, <laughs> even though I'm, I have all these titles, right? Like it took me a long time before I finally reached my hand up and said, I really need help. Now, the great news is, is that depression for most of us is healable. I didn't think it was. When I was suicidal, I didn't think there was a way out of it. For the next year, I was put on very heavy medication and I was able to slowly dig myself out of my hole. Now, here's the flip side. The negative side effects from the, from the medication was so intense that it took me another year to recover from the negative side effects, but it did stop my suicidal intentions. So again, what we're really saying today is, regardless of what the condition, do not think you can master it on your own if you haven't by now. You know, I made some brutal mistakes in my life. That's why I'm doing these interviews with people from all over the world because I'm saying, listen, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, get help early. Get humble early. Get vulnerable early. Reach out. Invest in yourself. Ask people to help you. Your life can radically change once you do.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think vulnerability is the, the key there, isn't it? It's about being vulnerable. It's about maybe... Embracing that shame that you might be feeling about what you're going through and, and admitting that you need help and that you can't do it by yourself, which is something really hard to do because we don't like to, to admit that we, that, we can't, that we can't do it. So,
1: yeah, Hannah, the strongest men and women in the world are those who are vulnerable. It is the greatest sign of strength. You know, it really is. And it may not make sense when you hear that the first thing, you know, because we think of vulnerability as a weakness. But, you know, that person that recognizes within 30 days, you know, I'm starting to drink a little bit more after my mom's death or after this or after that or, you know, I'm not paying enough attention to my children. I I see myself distracted with video games and all this stuff instead of paying attention to my career. You know, all of these type of things really do interfere with being happy, healthy, grounded. So if you find yourself in any of these situations Hannah and I are talking about, reach out and ask for help.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Because it takes, like you said, takes so much courage to take that leap and, you know, and... If you are feeling that you need help, you reach out and then feel proud that you have done that. You've shown that courage. You've recognized that you need help and that you've taken that step because it is, yeah, it shows amazing strength to take that leap. So It
1: it really does, yes. Hmm.
0: Absolutely. So I have some set questions I ask everyone I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Okay. Uh, My first one is what always boosts your mood or what brings you joy in your life?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, sports. I love tennis. Uh, that, that brings me a ton of joy. You know, I, I I live not far from the beach. So going to the beach brings me a lot of joy and movies. I love movies, you know. So um, and what else? Basketball. I used to play basketball in college. So and, and it's interesting you ask that question, Hannah, because every week I play basketball every one time every week I play tennis one time. And I try to go to a movie every month, you know, so those are things that bring me joy from the outside world. Internally, what brings me joy is my daily morning rituals of meditation, prayer, journaling, you know, I get a lot of joy out of that as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I I think, thank you for pointing out that those things, you have the internal things that bring you joy, but the external things, you put them in your schedule, you you do them so that you have that boost of joy in your life, rather than being like, oh, I really like that, but I never have time.
1: Exactly. I know.
0: (laughs) My next question is, what makes life meaningful for you?
1: My service to the world. It's that easy. You know, I am so blessed, Hannah. What I do on a daily basis brings me so much joy and so much meaning. Um, It's the whole reason I'm here, you know, and every hour is a different type of a client. You know, every hour is a different issue, which makes it really exciting for me because I never get bored. And then, you know, I mean, writing books is a way for me to express and to help people to heal. You know, we do, we have a free video service called David Essel's Motivational Minute that you can sign up for. And every Monday through Friday, you get a free inspirational video that I do. You know, and that's how I stay in service. So when I mentioned to you the other day that, you know, I believe daily accountability is huge. I hold myself accountable daily to making sure I'm doing things to lift the world. And it makes my life very meaningful and really satisfying.
0: Mm, amazing. And, and I think, you know, the, the service that you're providing is, is amazing to people. So just to kind of recognize you,
1: Thank you. for that.
0: Um, my next question. We talk about mental wellness a lot on the podcast, and we touch on all kinds of different subjects and how they relate to that. And so my question is two questions, actually. Uh, The first part is, what does mental wellness mean to you? And the second is how you look after your own mental well-being.
1: Okay, mental wellness to me is a love and acceptance of myself. When I can love and accept myself, I know mentally I'm right on path. Right. But that means being doing a really strong evaluation and saying, as my are my days filled with self-love. So do I eat healthy? Do I exercise? Do I pray? Do I meditate? Do I you know? And if I'm doing all those things, my my mindset is going to be awesome. If I am not taking care of my if I'm not working hard, I'm going to feel guilty that I'm not doing enough work. If I'm not taking time off, I'm gonna feel guilty that I'm not taking care of myself, right? If I'm not involved with hobbies that make me smile and laugh. So everything we're talking about, Hannah, is a part of my mental wellness program on a daily basis. And, you know, I learned the hard way going through what I did in 1990. Um, I'll never go back there again. And I realized that it's in my control. You know, I can create daily rituals that enhance my mental wellness, or I can go in the other direction, but it is my option. Mm. And what was the second part of the question? Um,
0: well, I think you've already covered it as well. Is how how you look after your own mental well-being?
1: Ah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just did it you all. Just did
0: it all. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the um the power of ritual, or having these routines, is really important. It's something that quite often comes up that people have these things in place, that they mm. know, nurture them. You know that they're valuable to them, they enjoy, and and they follow them. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's really important. And, you know, as busy as everyone is, you know, maybe you have children, maybe you work two jobs, maybe you're a single mom or a dad, whatever it might be as busy as it is in our world. You know, I, I say to people, if you don't think you have time to meditate or to pray or to journal or to that, how much time are you spending on social media? How much time? Because, you know, like in the morning, I make sure that I don't do any form of social media. I don't check the stock market. I don't check Facebook. I don't check my email until I do my one hour of self-care every morning. That's the very first thing, right? But too many people roll over, turn their phone on, and start scrolling. That is the worst way to start your day, in my opinion. I think we need away from social media especially first thing in the morning and into really powerful self-care
0: i must admit i do a bit of uh, scrolling (laughs) Uh, usually i'm up at five every day and i have a little window 10 15 minutes before i go to the gym at six every day before that i do a little bit of scrolling and then i do my bit of self-work but i (laughs) i try and do uh better things that are more self-nurturing but if I'm really tired, I fall into that
1: social media. It's easy to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was interviewed by a television station the other day. And I said, well, you know, what we're talking about is a social media addiction. And the, the host looked at me and she said, isn't that too strong of a word? And I said, well, I'll tell you, this, this is how you know if you have an addiction. I go, if you're used to getting up in the morning and turning your phone or your computer on and immediately looking to see what's going on, I said, don't do it for a week. Let's see how your withdrawals are. And she goes, I couldn't do it. I said, you're an addict, <laughs> you know, and it's true. It's like, if you, it's the same with a drink, you know, if you can't go to a party and not drink, you have an alcohol problem. That's it. I mean, it's that easy. If you can't get up in the morning without turning your phone on or your computer, you have an addiction to social media. It's not that complicated, you know? And so she was shocked though. And, and the interview went great because she said, I never thought of it that seriously, I said, Oh yeah, it's serious. And the same thing with video games. I mean, there are clients of mine that'll play six, seven, eight hours a day, Hannah. That's not abnormal in the video world. And I've got to try to walk them off of their ledge and to get them away from their game. And they have withdrawal.
0: Mm. I suppose anything that you are that uh, immersed in or enmeshed with that a fundamental part of your life and your identity and, as gaming and social media can be trying to step away from it. Not only do you have that, uh, you know, what am I going to spend my time with and that needing it, but if it's become a part of your identity, then that's quite difficult too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. And and for a lot of people, you know, it's their social network. Right. So, and you know, with gaming, I mean, my gosh, they have friends all over the world that aren't really quote unquote friends but we call it just like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, we have friends. How many of those people do you really know? And the odds are very little. And, you know, my concern as a counselor is that if this is taking you out of real social interaction, which it does, gaming and social media takes you out of real human interaction, that there's a price to pay. And the price is going to be lower mental threshold, lower self confidence, lower self esteem. It's a serious price,
0: mm, absolutely. Because if you think about the the people around you that you would normally turn to if you're struggling, if you're before you're maybe going to go and see a professional, actually, if you don't have those people or those connections and the people you're interacting with are on not that there's anything wrong with them being on the other side of the world, but if the interaction you have with them is very superficial,
1: right and focused
0: it's not
1: the same quality of support there. That's right. That's right. And you know, the odds of us now, some people might because they're anonymous in the gaming world, right? If you're anonymous in the gaming world and your name is dark Knight or something like that, and you know, you're connecting with pearly princess on the other side of the world and, and you're sharing with them, your parents are going through a divorce and you're really struggling and you're thinking about starting to cut yourself. Well, that might feel like a good release, but you're not working with someone that knows what to do for you, which once again, we need to come back to the real world, get in touch with real professionals. So venting on games or venting on social media may make you feel good in in the immediate moment, but it doesn't do a darn thing to help us heal.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next question, uh, and that you've already dropped this word in in your last response. I heard it, I was like, oh, that's the next question. (laughs) Can you describe
1: your mindset? Can I describe my mindset? (laughs) Oh my God, that's a great question. Oh, I think, let's see, my mindset. No one has ever asked me that question, Hannah. It's really a fascinating one. Um, Well, I can tell you this. um, I don't like labels. um, So I'm going to describe what it would be like living in David Essel's mind without a label, okay? It's nonstop action. I jump from one thought to the next fairly quickly. I can create a title for a book and 30 seconds later decide what I'm going to be doing for the next week or two weeks regarding a totally different topic. Um, my mind is always racing. Now, that, the great news about that is that my mindset is one of pure creativity. I have no boundaries. You know, I mean, we do things that are so against the norm because my brain works differently. Like our first number one bestselling book, Hannah, and as a matter of fact, I have it right here. Positive thinking will never change your life, but this book will. The myth of positive thinking, the reality of success. Okay. This is the mind here, right? That creates these things. That all of a sudden, one day I woke up and I realized we're lying to people when we start talking about the law of attraction. That's a lie. I don't care what you put out into the universe. It is not coming back just because you put something out to the universe. You know, and and, and listen, for 30 years, I've hosted a nationally syndicated radio talk show, interviewing Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, Susie Orman, all the megastars in the world of personal growth, plus athletes, actors, actresses. Hannah, not one person in 30 years of being a nationally syndicated radio talk show host has ever said to me that they created an affirmation and the next day that affirmation came into their life that they said they wanted a million dollar check. And the next day, a million dollar check came that they wanted a red Maserati in their driveway. And the next day a red Maserati was in their driveway. Like no one has ever shared that with me. Right? So my mind works very differently from this perspective. If I realize that I'm doing something incorrectly, I try to auto correct quickly. So in 1996, from 1980 until 1996, I taught the law of attraction. I traveled the world, speaking to audiences of up to 5,000 people, telling them, whatever you believe to be true will come to you. Keep focused on the positive. In 1996, I realized that was a bunch of crap. And I turned my whole world around in 1996 and started teaching truth instead of fantasy. So my mind works differently, you know, and I'm willing to go out on a limb and I'm willing to get pushback. But here's one of the greatest things that I can tell you. There's a guy from The Secret. Are you familiar with the book, The Secret? Okay. Dr. Joe Vitale is one of the stars of The Secret. I interviewed Dr. Joe on my radio show and I said, Joe, I go, I have something interesting to ask you because the story in The Secret sounds a little too good to be true. He goes, what's that? I said, it said you were homeless and that you imagined becoming a millionaire, and that checks started flying in the mail and you became a millionaire. How true is that, Joe? And he started laughing, Hannah. He said, it's not true at all. Isn't that fascinating? I said, so tell us the truth. He said, I was homeless, that part they got right. I believed at some point I was gonna be a millionaire. I wanted to hold that thought in my mind and I did, and they got that right. He said, but what they left out was, I worked for years, seven days a week, 12 hours a day to make my first million dollars. He said, David, the secret jumped and left all that out. And he said, I don't know why. And I said, I do. It's a marketing ploy. They're not going to sell as many books if they said, and Joe worked for five straight years, seven days a week, 12 hours a day to make a million dollars, right? So, you know, my mind works very realistically, Hannah. If I see that I'm doing something wrong, and I was, and in my other books, I have apologized to people for teaching them the law of attraction when it's not real, you know? And so I work differently. And I think that's why we continue to be successful because I'm not afraid to say I'm wrong, and I'm not afraid to change horses in the middle of the stream when I see I'm going in the wrong direction.
0: Hmm. let well, see. I think that's the uh, you know the professional integrity, yeah. isn't it? Able to you know admit actually and to to follow with things that maybe are more effective. But I think you know that example you gave. He obviously he had that intention or whatever you want to call it. But the fundamental thing is, then he put in the work to do it. So he held it in his mind all of that but the thing that's missing with the secret things like that is that action that I just sit at home all day and wait for millions of pounds to appear (laughs) I mean it would be lovely
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: but I have to do something towards it so you know I can use that as my motivation if you like but
1: yeah Oh, Hannah, you know, in in the books, in all our books, I tell people I love positive thinking. Still, the first hour of every day is chock full of affirmation, visualization, journaling, prayer, meditation like I am on spot. Right. But then once that hour is gone, I don't think about it anymore. I just go and do my work. I don't have to worry about an affirmation during the day saying I am a millionaire, you know, because it doesn't mean anything. Right. Like the only thing that means anything is am I doing the work to become a millionaire? Am I doing the work to lose the weight? Am I doing the work to become sober? Am I doing the work to save the relationship? You know, that's what really matters. And when people have great intentions, I say, awesome. Just don't sit on your intentions and imagine your life is gonna change.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So as we're talking about action, that leads perfectly into the next question. (laughs) Look (laughs) at that. I ask all of my guests to leave the listeners with between one and three strategies, techniques, things they can put in place in their life that are going to have a massive impact. So you have one to three things that you recommend
1: people do. Yeah. My, My favorite thing that I'm going to recommend to people is something that we created called the four and four journaling technique, meaning the number four and the number four journaling technique. And every day we ask our clients to write down four things they're grateful for or happy about. Right. So they can see in the physical world, you know, I got to the gym today. This is awesome. You know, And then we ask them to write down four things that they're unhappy about, they're frustrated with. Maybe they let themselves down. It might be, I said I was going to go to the gym and I didn't go. Now, the first four, the four things that you're happy about, grateful for, that's all about boosting self-confidence and self-esteem, right? When you see it in writing, don't use your head. Like I say this to everyone, don't trust your brain. It's a wasted space. Put it in writing so that you can actually see the good stuff. And then the purpose of the second half of the four, writing about the four challenges, that's called reality. And we need to be living in reality. So if you're writing down things that you're frustrated with and you see a pattern, oh, I didn't do this for three days in a row when I said I was going to, that should wake us up to say, okay, I need to get back on the stick. But if you don't write those things down, the odds are you'll push them aside like they didn't happen. You'll keep moving forward, but you won't be getting the goals that you're looking for. So that would be like probably the best tip I could give of an action step that people can do every day.
0: Mm. So those four challenges, that also sounds like it feeds into that accountability thing and that honesty with yourself, so.
1: Big time, Hannah. You know, and it's all—I I keep going back to the word reality. You know, there's so many courses and books out there that teach this wishful thinking, fantastical thinking. Let's just get to reality. You know, like and and some really you know interesting examples. What professional soccer player in England um, has reached the highest level of achievement without working his butt off? And the answer is nobody. You know, like what soccer player in England has sat with a vision board and an affirmation and, and earned millions of dollars? And the answer is none. You know, what bodybuilder has accomplished a huge uh, 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 win on stage with affirmations and vision boards? And the answer is none. I'm going to save you from having to answer these, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: when you first said soccer player, I think oh no, I'm going to have
1: to be tested on my knowledge of football players. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's all the same. It's like, yeah, 20% of your success will come from your mindset. 80% will come from what you do. Mm. Always remember that.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So my last question for you is if people are interested in working with you, if they're interested in finding out more about your books and reading some of those, how can they connect with you online? Where can they
1: Yeah. You know, our website, Hannah, talkdavid.com, T-A-L-K, david.com, talkdavid.com. And the best way that we ask all people to start working with me via phone or Skype from anywhere in the world is we have something called a 30 minute jumpstart counseling session. In that 30 minute, you you can go sign up at talkdavid.com for that session. In that 30 minute session, I get to find out what your goals are, what your challenges are. And then we get to start beginning a process to change. Now, after that 30 minutes, if someone says, oh, this is great, I want to continue. We've got a thousand different programs that we can do. But really, that's the best. You know, like go to talkdavid.com, sign up for the 30 minute session and we get a chance to interact and I can give you some very valuable feedback in a quick 30 minutes. And then the other thing while they're at the website, talkdavid.com is make sure to sign up for the motivational minute subscription video series it's free that is absolutely free so you'll get a video every day and all of that is at talkdavid.com
0: perfect and we can put a link in the show notes as well oh good so people can find you from there and your books because uh, you've written a lot of
1: okay. books yeah 11 now 11 <laughs> 11 Uh, So where can people find those? Yeah, right at talkdavid.com. So everything is on the site. We make it one-stop shopping, Hannah. Perfect.
0: (laughs) And we can put a link in the show notes as well so people can find you easily from there. So thank you so much, David. I've really enjoyed chatting to you today and finding out a bit more about your work. And I'm feeling very inspired from our conversation. Also, like I should cut down on my social media in the morning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey Hannah I'm gonna hold you accountable I want you to send me an email saying at least once a week saying I have continued to cut back on my morning social media are you willing to take that
0: I'm, I'm willing to do that I do you know what? I have um a journal that I find really useful it has a morning and an evening activity that has some gratitude it has some reflection uh, and sometimes I'm very good at doing it, but sometimes instead I do the social media. So I will commit to doing that and then I'll email you. <laughs> to
1: how I goes. would love to get your emails, okay? <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it and I'm sure that listeners will get so much from,
1: from listening to you. So thank you. Awesome, Hannah. I had fun too. You have a beautiful day. Yes, you too. Okay, bye. <laughs>
0: Hi, welcome back. Uh, so <laughs> as we're talking about oh, honesty and uh, accountability, uh, you will have heard at the end I said I was going to try and uh, not engage with social media so much at the beginning of the day and that I would email and be accountable. Did I do that? No. <laughs> not at all. And as I was listening back to it and thinking about my, my kind of next year, uh, being 33 and trying to make it the best year ever, or just um a good year and just trying to prioritize my well being. You know, my social media is something that again has has slipped back in that kind of mindless scrolling, particularly just watching stuff in the evening when I want to be sleeping and it's just it's a kind of numbing thing. And it's something that I slipped back into and I sort of talked about in this. Yes, I said I would be conscious of it. I haven't really, so this is a reminder to me before I get into my kind of like, I don't know, health kick, well-being kick, I don't know what I want to call it. Um, It's something that I'm going to, yeah, make a effort to do. And I'm about to drop David an email just about this episode. And (laughs) to say to him, sorry, uh, I realized I said I would email you um, weekly accountability wise, and I absolutely didn't. But do you know what? I think this is it's you know we can have the best intentions and I kind of this is where I like the questions instead because you know you can have an intention and then you go like oh I didn't do it and you can beat yourself up about it like I said I would do that thing I wanted to do that thing and I just haven't actually it's not too late I can I can go right well I haven't done it for the last however many months but you know what I'm gonna start now I'm going to make an effort to do it and it might be that I listen back to this in six months and think oh (laughs) I said I was going to do it and I still haven't done it. Do you know what? That won't be too late either. I can still make that decision to focus on it. It's not life, well-being, self-care. It's not a fixed thing. It's not this point you reach and you go, I've made it now. I'm completely well. I'm completely sorted. I am perfect. I'm whatever. Life's not like that. It's this movable thing. We're constantly kind of ebbing and flowing and well-being is this this spectrum. So sometimes you're towards the kind of more well end and sometimes you're struggling a little bit. And um, for me, it's about being able to kind of ride. that. It's very water-focused today, sorry. <laughs> but being able to kind of ride that wave and be okay and, and all of that stuff that I love to talk about. But, you know, sometimes you've taken a battering from the waves sometimes you've been riding high you know sometimes you you're kind of wanting to get out of the water or you just haven't been able to catch a wave just really going with this analogy now sorry but you know it's it's not too late to to paddle out um and to try to try again and to keep trying again and I think that that is the kind of the crux of well-being it's that resilience that comes from continuing to try to be able to weather everything and not just kind of going well I well I tried that once and it didn't work it's kind of going well okay it's is it still something that that I want to do is it something that's important is it something that is going to nurture me am I doing it from a place of self-care and self-love rather than self-punishment do I want to do it do I want to make the change and then if that if the answer is to those no then why are you doing it but if the answer is yes just yeah starting again, trying again and giving yourself some grace that you know it's not all smooth sailing and yeah sometimes you'll re-listen back to something and go oh yeah <laughs> I said I would do this a couple of months ago and I haven't but I can I can start now you know I can be kind to myself and go yeah life just kind of happened it just happened and I, I haven't done that thing but it is still something that I want to do and it's important to me so I am going to start doing it I think sometimes we we can really beat ourselves up about it because we don't do things that we've said we will and then we're like what's the point or I you know we can feel some shame about the fact that we've not done it, or we can feel that people are gonna judge us because we've not done it or that we can't keep our word and and all of these things, but really, this is this is it. this is the life thing <laughs> that we're all on is going, okay, like today is a new day. tomorrow is a new day. Honestly, today and tomorrow, I'm gonna be eating some cake. Um so as much as I'm sort of saying, yeah, I'm going to recommit to really think about nurturing myself. At the moment for my spirit and my soul, it's about celebration and I'm going to enjoy it. But I'm also looking forward to switching up a little bit and doing the self-care, but in a nurturing, healthy way of trying to listen to my body, to my mind, to my soul or whatever, and tune into what I need. But But ultimately, I guess this is a kind of key message that we talk about a lot is that kindness to yourself, kind of listening to yourself, knowing yourself and being kind to yourself. So that, you know, if you wake up and you realize, I said I was going to do this this week, but I haven't, just be kind to yourself and go, that's okay. That's okay, Hannah. It's okay that you're still mindlessly watching videos on social media. (laughs) That's okay. Because today is a new day, this week is a new week, this year is a new year, um, and you know, just just take it each day as it comes. You know, I try and live in the present. I don't always succeed, but I try and be mindful and to go with the flow. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts. So <laughs> I'm gonna drop David an email now and be like, <laughs> sorry, um. But do you know what? I'm gonna, uh, yeah, one is one of one of my things for this year. So, I will probably be talking about how it goes with my kind of recommitting to self care and well being. And you know, and it's one of these things we can start any time. It doesn't have to be a new year. Doesn't have to be a new month. It doesn't have to be a birthday. But just so happens this one is for me. Um, but if you are also feeling a bit blur, <laughs> then uh, why not join me for a bit of a What can the question be what happens what happens if I just just that word again talked about that last week (laughs) what happens if I am kind to myself and just take each day as it comes you know don't carry forward the the kind of guilt or the regrets from the previous day don't get too attached to the worries of the future or, or even the plans of the future and just kind of think how can I be kind to myself today? And how can I be present today? Or something like that. Anyway, (laughs) but feel free to join me and uh, tell me how you are getting on as well. Um, And so we'll be back Wednesday with another episode. We'll see how the the two episode thing plays out. I'm still kind of hmm about it. Um, But yeah, remember, please to rate And review and subscribe if you haven't already and to share the episode with anyone you think would benefit we're currently at 18 reviews on iTunes uh all five star reviews which is awesome um so if you haven't reviewed it would be great to get to that next milestone of 20 reviews uh, or more uh so if you haven't already that'd be fab if you could give us a review and uh yeah I will speak to you Wednesday when uh I'll probably to be honest be recording this bit before <laughs> probably today uh so I won't be able to give you an update yet on uh the gym sessions of the week um but by the time that comes out I will have done three gym sessions if all things go to plan um but yes I will uh, speak to you then so have a good couple of days and take care of you